All aboard the gravy train! Are you riding your financial planner or broker's gravy train? Your financial prospectus outlines how brokers are allowed to charge you hidden fees. Next stop, hidden fees! Want to take back control of your retirement income? Just get off at the next stop. And tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. All right, welcome to the show, the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Halaby. Thanks for being with me. You can talk about your family's finances on AM870, The Answer. Hey, give us a call if you have a question, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. And all week long, just so you know, that works right at my office. So uh, give us a call anytime, of course, if we're not there. We're usually in the office from 8 a.m. to maybe 6, 6.30, sometimes much later. But if you call uh, outside of those hours, uh, leave a message. We'll get right back to you. Thanks for being with me as we talk about two things today, really. What does semi-retirement look like? That's important because uh, for a lot of you, retiring is not an option. Uh, you, you look at these issues of, of retirement as a uh, you know a foreign concept, something that used to be or your grandfather's retirement. So I can't wait to quit, get the job done. Get that gold watch and sit on the porch, right? That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, today, retirement is, uh, look, uh, just the other night, I was with a, a friend of mine, uh, and his mom is retired, and I was talking to her, and she said, I am busier than I ever have been between picking up the grandkids and, st- and dropping them off and then uh, taking this and picking up that and, and volunteering here. Uh, her schedule when you were working was simple. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, you wake up, go to work, come home. You know you're going to say no to most things if it's during a weeknight, and you can only say yes to one or two things on a Saturday or a Sunday. But when you are not working, number one is people think that you have a lot of free time, so they give you chores to do. Sorry to my friend, right? But uh, he's busy. He and his wife are working, so they ask her, uh, his mom, Hey, can you pick up this or can you drop off that or can you make sure that you're home when the, the uh, floor repair people come in to put in the new flooring and all that? So she is busy because she can be. It's almost like you say, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. If somebody has a lot of time on their hand, chances are pretty good that they're lazy. Sorry. No, I, I, don't, I don't mean, you know, just lazy for the sake of being lazy. They just don't value or have any urgency in getting things done. Okay. But when you are semi-retired, you are going to have a lifetime of hopefully three and four day weekends, taking a little time off every once in a while. Because here's what happens. As a semi-retired person, some of your income comes from your retirement accounts. Some of your income comes from Social Security. Some of your income comes from your effort, your work, your job. So semi-retired means that. It means you need to balance so that you're not paying enormous taxes. That's why you meet with your tax preparer, your financial advisor. You sit down and you say, okay, here are my four sources of income in my semi-retirement life. How do I manage that? Because sometimes you may not want to work that extra shift because it will throw you into either a different tax bracket or cause your social security to be taxed or cause you to lose 
not only have it be taxed, but lose some of your Social Security right off the top. So a semi-retired life uh, sometimes takes a lot more effort. Remember, if you go to work Monday through Friday and you have a job and you come home and the taxes come in uh, the, the door or uh, you know go out of your paycheck, the dollars come in the front door, the bills come in the front door, that, that's kind of a normal life. But when you're semi-retired, you got to balance this just a little bit more. Because that $17,640 in 2019, that's the number. That if you earn more than that, you will pay income tax. Sorry, you will, you will pay Social Security tax on those dollars, meaning it's a 100% removal from your, your assets. For every dollar you make above 17640 if you make $2, 100% of $1, so a dollar, is gone. Gone. Social Security takes it back. Now, they give it back to you later when you're 66, 67 years old. They give it back to you back in the back end. But I don't want you to think that if you make more than $17,640, that you're just going to get to keep all of the money. You don't. For every $2 you make above that, they take $1 in Social Security. Also, about 85% of your benefits could be subject to income tax. So 85% of your Social Security. I don't want to get into a lot of percentages because it can get a bit confusing. But just know that you want to keep your Social Security income and your non-retirement fund, right? In other words, your job income within certain boundaries. So how do we think this through? Number one, most people are going to work for 35 years or more before they even think about semi-retirement. Now, that usually means you've established yourself in a career. It usually means you're valuable. People care about you. You see, it used to be, and I, I'm sure in some industries it still is, but it used to be that uh, you know women would want to look younger. They lie about their age. Men just want a little bit of gray hair to be distinguished, but not too much. They need to seem young and vibrant and active. But a lot of companies today are rehiring that older generation, certainly because we have a, 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 a slowing down of, of the workforce. We need more people in the workforce. So a lot of people are going back to work, even in a field in which they used to work five, six, eight years ago. They're going back to work in the workforce because we need the bodies. But a lot of employers are saying, wait a second, there's a hidden jewel here where we used to think it was time to get out of the old and hire the young today. You go, wait a second, the wisdom, the experience, the knowledge, the institutional knowledge, the historical knowledge of that senior citizen, of that, quote, retiree, someone in their late 60s, early 70s, there's, there's more value there than you can put a penny on. So what you do is you say, back up. We want to keep that person. Because if you file at 62 and you're receiving benefits, that's fine, but you get a, lower, you get a decrease in benefits. Under the last few years, the Obama administration never gave any pay raise of any significance. In fact, I don't think through most of his presidency he gave any pay raise uh, to uh, Social Security recipients. And some of you still voted for him after the first four years. Well, yeah, let's, it really stinks. Let's double down and make it really, really stink. Well, you got nothing. Well, surprise, you're going to receive one of the largest Social Security increases under President Trump coming up. That's kind of nice. And we expect that to continue. 
So as the Social Security increases, these percentages, these dollars, they're going to make a difference. You need to make sure you pay attention to that. Semi-retirement is becoming a trend for many who enjoy work and play. I remember maybe 15 years ago, I'm sitting in my office, and a gentleman was referred to me. He was in his late 30s. As a lot of folks in L.A., he's from the uh, the entertainment world, you know, the, the the grips and cameramen and, the you know, assistant director and PA, right, the uh, assistants, a lot of these folks. So he worked in that industry, and he said, I only work one or two shows a year. And I know this because we have other clients, and then I go, well, that's not a full year. He says, well, my goal in life, from now until I die is to always be semi-retired. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I'm, my goal is to never buy a big fancy house. It's never to buy a fancy car. It's never to have six payments every month that have to be made for my automobiles or my, my no, no. My goal is to have enough money saved so I can surf, so I can retire, so I can take my wife and children. He had one child at the time, planned on having more. And we're going to travel. We're going to travel all over the United States. We're going to work odd jobs. We have investments. They had one rental property that he had uh, was original his, originally his house. And he said, our life is to have income coming in basically just above subsistence. And he's going to work a third, half a year. Now, mind you, as a financial guy... Who, who, who works in this field of saving every two weeks, this was foreign to me. I couldn't imagine this. I said, I'm a financial professional that manages retirement accounts uh, for our clients, right? I think we were still doing stock market stuff at the time. We were still doing some of our risk investing. And I said, you know, our job is to pick the right mutual fund and, you know, our job is to, to help you with your life insurance. Da, 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 da. Where do you think I can help you? And he said, well, because I don't plan on saving for retirement, I need a life insurance policy. In case I pass away early, I'm not going to leave my wife and kids having to start over at whatever age I die. So, what did he need? He needed a term life insurance policy. Term is just like car insurance. If you don't crash your car this year, they're not going to give you any money back. It's over. It's called term insurance. And they're, usually the terms are 10-year, 20-year, 30-year. There's also a 15-year but let's say you have a 30-year term, which is what we got for him. That means if he passes away in the next 30 years, his wife will receive the money that, that uh, was insured. His cost will never increase and the coverage will never decrease for the entire term. That's term life insurance. So for a semi-retired person, life insurance can make a difference. Because it's a backup plan. It's kind of like a plan B or even a plan C. The job of life insurance is to be there just in case, just in case you need it, just so we're not in a place to where the traditional go to work every day and 30 years and let's say the person passes away beforehand. Well, there is usually a retirement account at work or equity in their primary residence that they're living in. His goal was to make sure his wife and kids didn't have to go back to work. So semi-retirement for our seniors might be a little different. We may not need to fund it with life insurance because maybe they worked their whole life and built up a retirement account, 401k or traditional IRAs. But it really means that the day-to-day -day life is spent on experiences rather than accumulation of stuff.
It often means renting versus buying. So if you're a retiree, I want you to consider renting. Now, you might think that's a sin, right? Because your job in 1962 was to finally buy a house, and you did. And you're in the same home. And now you're wondering, what the heck? What do you mean I got to buy? What do you mean I have to rent? I have zero expenses. Well, no, you don't. You have something called property taxes. Your property tax is not a zero expense. Even if you paid off your house, the government still owns it, and you lease it from them. You rent it. You're always renting. Everybody rents. It's called property tax. You can call it anything you want. In China, they tell you straight up <laughs> that you don't own the property. I was there and I was discussing with someone. I said, so that you now have private property rights? They said, oh, yeah, you can own the structure. You own the building. I said, wow, that's pretty neat. What about the land? They said, no, no, no. It's a 90. It's either 90 or 99-year lease. I said, oh, my gosh, Really? Yep, you have to pay each and every year you pay a fee to live there. It's a 99-year lease. After that, you have to move the house or we buy it from you or you can renew for another 99 years. Do you see the thought process of, of the Chinese, by the way? Isn't it interesting the Chinese think so long-term? They think 99 years is nothing, right? And you, you think a six-year car payment's a big deal. <laughs> they think 99 years. And so the Chinese, right, the, the, in Shanghai and Beijing... They said, well, 99-year lease, that's a pretty good deal. But what if the government wants to put a, a highway or a military base or they do eminent domain? They can take your house at any time in that 99 years. They just have to pay you for it. Now, they can pay to move your house. In most cases, they don't. You just buy a new house. They, they put a new house somewhere down the street, in another neighborhood, wherever it is. And they have to pay you the equivalent cost. That's the law. Now, you might say, oh, my gosh, that's so barbaric. And I go, well, eminent domain, the freeway. Eminent domain, the 210 freeway, the 105. For some of you that can remember back far enough, you know, parts of the 110 freeway. When they widened it, when they did LAX airport, fly out of LAX and leave over the ocean. And take a look down there, and it looks like a ghost town. There's all these streets, but what, there aren't any homes down there. No homes, but there's streets, pads, sidewalks, curbs. What happened? Well, the airport eminent domained it because they needed to fly heavier jets and they wanted to move the airport runway. And But they paid the people for it. So I'm not comparing the communist system directly of property ownership with the United States. But just don't think there's this weird, amazing thing that I own my property. No, sir. No, ma'am. You rent it. Now, you can have really low rent called Proposition 13. But if you think during your retirement years, especially if you're still in your 60s or 70s, if you think that they are not going to find a way to either repeal 13 or just call something else a user tax or a user fee or a let's keep the pensions alive fund or let's keep from going bankrupt and feed homeless illegal immigrant fund, I don't know. How do you think they're going to pay for these folks that that they kind of keep wanting to come in. I mean, really, do, do you think it's an even, right, the amount of services they use, they pay the taxes? Of course not. Uh, listen, I, I get giving everybody a break, but if you're the retiree, you're the one with the house that's paid off, 
you're the one that's re- with retirement accounts or a pension or rental property, and you stay in California when you retire, don't be surprised if you're the one that has to foot the bill for the mess-ups that Sacramento has been doing with this one-party state. We're a one-party political state. That's not a, it's not a, a, a dig. It's not a negative, uh, like, oh, my gosh, you called them a dirty word, one party. No, it just is a one-party state. In fact, if you're a Republican and you have a good bill or a good idea, this is, this is the God's honest truth. You have a, I know because this happened to somebody I know closely. And you have a bill. You have an idea. I think we should allow this to happen. And you submit it to Kevin DeLeon back then as the uh, assembly guy. And he likes the idea. He takes it from you erases your name and goes, oh, we have uh, Mary Smith in uh, the Southern District of whatever who has a tough time in the race coming up. We're going to put her name on it. So when we pass it and she's running for her next election, she can say, look what I did. I sponsored a bill that was this. And it had nothing to do with her because the majority takes the ideas of everybody and decides who gets to be get credit for it. Is that not incredible? I mean, you could say politics is whatever, but a lie is a lie is a lie. Dishonesty is dishonesty. For the state Senate or the state assembly leaders, Democrat leaders, and the governor to allow that to happen and then call it normal just seems like something's wrong, you guys. I mean, just... I mean, your life is fine. Look around. You have birds chirping. You have a little bird bath going. You have some nice, you know, coffee and, and you're sitting down reading the paper or just. But folks, something is really wrong. Facebook is shutting down anybody it disagrees with. Politically. And you're having a 26 year old kid with his wisdom and years of knowledge and experience making a decision on whether or not your political ideas are valid enough for other people to hear. Really? That's become normal? That's become, that's okay? Look, I'm okay with free market, but Facebook, you don't get it both ways. Twitter, Google, you don't get to have it both ways. You don't get to say we're a private company and then ask for exemptions of monopoly and uh, individual uh, rights, right? You don't get to have that. Either... You are an individual company, and you abide by all the rules of individual companies. I'm okay with that. But now you can't have a monopoly. You're going to have to break up your, yourself. Look, if President Trump is reelected and has a majority in both houses, you can bet the second term. I would bet probably my retirement account. And if it doesn't happen sooner, that there's going to be antitrust lawsuits brought up against Google and Facebook and YouTube. Pretty confident that's going to happen. Why? Because it's so darn obvious. So, guys, your semi-retirement, you need to have a plan B. Because I think no matter what you try to do, you have to be living within the realm of what what the rest of the world is like. Here's what I mean. You're semi-retired and you're renting a house and all of a sudden the owner is hit with massive property tax. You have a choice to move or to pay the extra amount. So keep in mind, 
that the income taxes, the payroll taxes, those kinds of things, if you're going to have earned income, still have to be paid. Now, look, a lot of us really are are secretly jealous of the nomadic lifestyle of semi-retirement, even if it's not that nomadic. But you have a base. Maybe you own a home. Maybe it's paid off. Maybe you inherited it. And you're more focused on the experiences of life, travel international, travel local. All of that is amazing and incredible and fun. We're seeing more of it. Just do it with the, uh, the mindset of having life insurance to protect your spouse, especially if, you're not, uh, if you don't have a, a bunch of savings dollars, right? And save in at least two different types of accounts. Still save in a retirement account. You might save a lot less. But save in a retirement account for you and your spouse if you're still working, if you're doing the semi-retired, and more importantly than that, an emergency fund. You need to have a backup because in your semi-retirement life, you probably don't have health insurance. You certainly don't have the best disability insurance. So if you're injured or you can't work, the emergency fund is designed to give you income. And I think everybody should have it. There's no reason you shouldn't still be saving if you're if you're retired or not and collecting a monthly check, right? If you have dollars coming from Social Security, dollars coming from a pension, dollars coming from your retirement accounts. Those are all great things, the required minimum distributions. Nothing wrong with that. Save some of it. Set it aside for emergency. Once you get to a certain number, 50,000, 100, 200, whatever your number is for emergencies, Consider donating some. I think you should donate along the journey, but maybe not. Maybe that's the time. Consider going and maybe doing, oh, I don't know, a project. Go physically. Do part of your retirement where you still can get around and go to a place. Go to an Indian reservation and help them start a school. Go to a a village in Mexico or Costa Rica and help them build a school. Go build a health clinic in rural United States, Oklahoma, or Colorado. Go and donate money so that young people can have access to the internet. I'm okay with all of those things. Don't just give it to some organization. Folks, if you have any uh, of a mind to understand how crooked most organizations are because they take so much money to pay themselves and to pay their benefits, right? go to charitywatch.org. Charitywatch.org. You can pull up the American Red Cross and see what the CEO See what the CEO of Goodwill makes. And after you're done taking medicine and throwing up in the corner, you're going to go and take a look at Salvation Army and see the integrity of that organization, for example. Salvation Army, they understand how to run an organization and make a difference. In my opinion, the others, I think they're businesses. I think they're businesses, nothing wrong with it. But sometimes... There are businesses that hide under the nonprofit label. We've seen that. If you're going to be semi-retired and make sure that you've given money to certain charities and organizations, make sure that you do your due diligence. In my opinion, go with them. I did. I went with an organization that said, oh, we're going to invest your money. Okay, we're going to take it and we're going to buy this. We're going to help people uh, with a dental. uh, It was a dental uh, program. Fine. I went to uh, Guatemala. We went to the jungle six hours from the city in a van to make sure that they were really taking our money. And they did. Help the children. It's an organization. Help the children. An amazing organization. 147 people had dental work done. 
and they were local Mayan Indians. Some of them didn't even speak Spanish. They only spoke Mayan in the jungles of Guatemala. You want to see a repressed uh, people by the government? You want to see a folks that are discriminated against? Look at how the Mexican government, how the Guatemalan government treats Mayan Indians. I don't even think they're human in their eyes. They consider them subhuman. And these were lovely human beings. And we said, we have a little bit of money. We're going to donate it. I want to see it make a difference. So I went. Now, you may not have the stamina to go that far, far away or to do that type of a thing. Then go somewhere else. That's why I said go local. You can go to inner city schools and you can make a difference. But don't give it to the school. Give it to an organization you've checked out. Because semi-retirement is about experiences and not just yours, but making the difference in other people's lives. I think that's a very important part of the system. All right, we're going to come back in just a minute. When we do, we're going to get into uh, your financial life a little bit more, some ideas on planning and, and preparing and kind of trying to make sure that you're not going to, if you're retiring this year, that you're not going to make some big mistakes. Retiring in the next year or so, maybe we've got some solutions for you. That's what Total Financial Solutions is all about. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Stay with me after the break as we continue with the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. On AM870, the answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Solutions Safer Money Hour. And for those of you just joining us, thanks for uh, spending a little bit of time today with me as we talk about your family's finances. What if you are ready to retire in 2019, 2020, right in the next year or so? If you are preparing to retire, what are some of the things you need to keep in mind? Well, number one, be very careful. I always say one of the biggest mistakes for people uh, to do is to retire in the middle or at the top of the stock market. Now, you never know you're at the top until later, right, when you look back. But when the market's at all-time highs and they go, oh, the market's at all-time highs, real estate market's at all-time highs, and that's when you retire. Why? Because you think the party's never going to end. Now, one of the mistakes I think people make is they get used to spending or that the, that the party never ends and the profits are at all-time highs, and they build their financial budget accordingly. Here's what I mean. You go out and you buy an RV. Big RV. You love RVs. Love them. Buy them all day long. But you couldn't have afforded the $970 payment if you didn't have an all-time high market and you're pulling money from your retirement accounts and life is great. But when those things go backwards, the payment doesn't go away. You have a 20-year payment on that RV, 20-year payment on that boat, $2,000 a month for the vacation home in whatever city. Well, that's nice as long as you can afford the $2,000 a month. But if all heck breaks loose or you have two vacancies in your rental properties, and this is a tough time and your taxes are due and all of that, at the same time we have a correction quote in the market, I think you need to be careful. If it were me, I would budget for 75%. Number one, budget for 75% of your pension. Because those of you who think your pension is supposed to 
pay because they promised. They signed a deal. Governor Gray Davis uh, negotiated it, remember, with the uh, prison guards. And, oh, but they told me. So what? They don't even live here anymore. Most of those politicians have homes outside of California because they don't want to pay the taxes for the mess that they created. Most of them spend a lot of their retirement money outside of the state so that we get none of the benefit. And they created a mess, lit the fire, lit the fuse, and walked out the back door. You go, wait a second. We have to live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you're rich like me, you can afford to live in six other states. People have moved. Well, what do you do if you're planning and preparing to retire in 2019, 20, in the next year? So number one, put a budget together. Put a budget together. See if the budget that you put together with pensions, in other words, money that's counting on somebody else, count on 75% of that. The funding of these pensions for city, county, state, school district, folks, there just isn't money. I mean, they're nice people, all of it as well, and, and intention. But there's about, let me get you the exact number. I want to say it's 10,000. Oh, yep, there we go. We have over 10,000 people a day hitting age 65. 10,000 people a day hitting 65. Now, that same 10,000 people are most commonly, that's the year of retirement. Even though Social Security for them might be 66 or 67, right now and for the next decade or so, maybe a little more, we have people turning age 65, 10,000 of them every single day. Those 10,000 baby boomers that turn 65 every day do a couple of things. Number one is they start pulling money out of their retirement account. So no, in other words, in other, uh, instead of buying stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, instead of putting money into their retirement accounts every two weeks when they get paid, they're selling because they need the cash. Now, they might need some, a little bit more, a little bit less, but they're pulling money out, not putting money in. So in the world of supply and demand, somebody else has to be putting money in. Who? The 30-year-old with 120000 in student loan debt? Do you think that person is going to be buying the same amount of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds that you are selling in order to get out? Maybe. I just don't think so. Not everyone wants to be retired at that age, but let's say you are. Let's say that's the time that you're thinking, right, in the next year or so, and, and you're in that age bracket. Budgeting is key. How much will it cost for your food, shelter, clothing? But second, I think taxes are only going to go up. Probably only going to go up for the rest of your working life, if not the rest of your life. The last time we had these kinds of discount in taxes uh, was somewhere around 50 years ago. And I don't think we're going to have the same discount for the rest of your working and retired life. I just don't think. There's just not enough money there. I mean, it's nice and everybody says it, but I think eventually the state of California is not going to get any help from the federal government. And the state of California has promised so much, and these politicians are telling everybody that they can have free stuff. You want to clean up the mess? Tell the homeless people, listen, you want a free meal? You got to work. You want a place to stay tonight? You got to do something. We don't just give away stuff. I don't care if it's sweeping, if it's picking up trash. Right? I've, I've said this before on the show. There's a gentleman who, who occasionally is outside of my office and he, he asks for money. And he has a sign and I say, 
listen, I, I prefer you not do that in front of my office. And he's apologetic. I said, but if you want to make money today, I won't disrespect you as a man by giving you a dollar for just existing. That's such a level of disrespect, sir. I would never do that to you as a human being to just give you money for just being. But if you're willing to work, he said, sir, I'm willing to work. I said, if you're willing to work, then I will give you not just a dollar because you're asking for a dollar. I will give you $5. He says, well, what do you want me to do? I said, do you see that block? My side of the street, and it's a small little block. I said, I just would like you to pick up the trash along there so that I have a nice, clean, and present, you know, presentable place for my clients. Can you do that? He said, you got it. Do you know how excited he was to work? Uh, look, I understand most of you don't engage him and you walk around as if they, they don't exist. But when you talk to some of these folks, I don't know his mental stability. I don't know his addiction issues. All I know, if you want a dollar, I'm not going to give it to you because you're not part of my family. I'm going to give it to you because I respect you as a man and you're willing to work. I had another couple, husband and wife, or at least they were a couple, male and female, and I gave the same proposition. And they looked at each other. They said, we're not going to pick up trash. And they thought they were too good to work, but not too good to beg. Do you see what happens? Their priorities shifted. They thought work was beneath begging. Not this other gentleman. He worked. And now he knows that if he wants to make money, He'll come out and he knows about the time I get to the office. So I don't know. I think I've hired him maybe four or five times. So that's important. You look at all of the processes because your, your life, right? In retirement, you're probably not going to get all of your pension. They have to pay these people. Homelessness is at record highs. If you're going to stay in California, uh, somebody's going to have to pay for San Francisco, just so you know. Somebody's going to have to pay for Santa Monica. Somebody's going to have to pay for the for the folks living in L.A. Go in two, three, four blocks in any direction around the Staples Center. See what you see. You think that the Boy Scouts are having a camp out. Like, oh, hey, look at that. The Boy Scouts are. Oh, no. Oh, wait, wait, no. It's entire tent cities. Is this the Grapes of Wrath? Because I'm trying to see, are we reliving the Okies, right? Are we reliving the Dust Bowl? Because this seems like exactly what's happening here. These are folks living in fields, and the politicians are the same ones that messed it up before, and they're going to do it again. Why is it some cities, why don't you see homeless encampments all around Beverly Hills? I I don't know. Why don't you see homeless encampments up and down? uh, Oh, I don't know. Where's Maxine Waters live? Yeah, because, you know, she doesn't live in the city that she's a congresswoman for. I don't know if you know that. She doesn't even live in the city. She runs in one city and lives behind mansion walls in another city. I don't know, just just FYI. Why don't, why don't people camp outside of her house? So if you're retired and you're thinking about retiring soon, consider where you're going to retire. So what I look at is I look at what what's the fiscal health of the city is the city the city of santa clarita an amazing city it has a budget surplus well-run great organized group of people know what they're doing they keep partisan craziness on either extreme out of the way and they run the city with a fiscally conservative mindset 
That's what you want. I don't want cities to, to comment on social issues. Your job is to run the city, not to be a social engineer, right? So look for the, the fiscal health of the state. That will dictate where you live. I know a lot of people. In fact, I was visiting a cousin of mine in Chandler, Arizona, next to Gilbert and Phoenix, right? Mesa, Tempe, that whole area. So the greater Phoenix area. And he said he has three new neighbors in his neighborhood. Now, he bought his house about 10 years ago for two ninety. He said today it's, today it's worth nearly 600000 I thought, wow, you're kidding me. He said, oh, yeah. Uh, how do I know that? Because there are three new homes, my neighbor and then a couple down and one over, and they all moved from San Diego and from Coronado. I said, you're kidding me. It's a beautiful place down there. The weather's incredible. He said, oh, no, they all moved from San Diego. I said, why? He said, well, one works, well, they all work in IT or, or sales. I won't give you the company's names. And he said they can work from anywhere, and one of them transferred, and one of them, their company moved a big corporate headquarters or, or at least a big operations from Southern California to the Phoenix area. So where the home he had, he sold for a million dollars in the San Diego area. So for him to buy a five or $600,000 house is nothing. You got it. It's a piece of cake. Thanks for the discount and the savings in taxes. And when I was there, it was a dollar thirty a gallon savings in gas, $1.30. So let's say you fill up, I don't know, 20 gallons a week, right? That's $1,000 a year plus. So the point I'm bringing to you is in retirement, if you don't have to make that extra thousand a year, if you don't have to make the extra money to pay for your house payment, then you don't have to pull it from your retirement accounts, which means you don't have to pay taxes on the money, which means you can live longer on the same amount of money that you have saved up. So if you're going to retire in the next year or so, consider selling your house before the market drops or buying another house before it goes up if you're going to be looking at another area. So that gives you kind of an idea of the planning because if you're 65 or older, the average retirement savings, believe it or not, is about $200,000. So if you have more than $200,000 saved and you're 65 years or older, you're above the average, by far above the average. Because that means that you are in a position to at least have choices. Now, you can live in most parts of the country and have a reasonable house payment. And, and the fuel and the energy costs would be reasonable. But look at the fiscal health of the city. Crime used to be a big deal. It still is, especially in California. My gosh, they keep letting people out of jails. When I was in law enforcement, some of you know I was a Los Angeles policeman for about 11 years. Uh, During that period of time, they passed the three strikes law. And I can remember when we would stop people up and down in in the San Fernando Valley or on the west side, we'd stop them for whatever reason. We'd interview, uh, you know, the the bad guys, whether they're on parole or, or you could tell they were gang members. When they ha- when the three, strike- three strikes law passed, what happens was this. First strike, second. The third felony that you got, you were in prison for 25 years. They figured you, they called you a habitual criminal. And you were in, going to jail for, for decades. So what would happen, and the reason we had amazing safety in California, was because when I would interview people and others, they would say, listen, I have two strikes. I am moving 
to Las Vegas. I am moving to Phoenix. I am moving out of California. Now, I'm going back 20 years, 25 years ago. But these people that were criminals or habitual criminals said, you know what? I'm not even taking a chance. I am out of here. Like, wow. Now, the first thing you want is for people to change their behavior. The second is to change their address. (laughs) Go. I prefer you go be a criminal in somebody else's town, not in ours. And so we had record reduction in crime in the city of L.A. for a long time until Governor Gray Davis comes along and says, oh, this is too harsh. Oh, it's racial. Oh, uh, statistically thinking it's a uh, whatever. Okay, he makes up stuff, puts together a, a study that solves the problem backwards, comes up with the solution that he wants to achieve. And now, surprise, crime is getting at record levels in recent times, and people are leaving. Good people are saying, thank you, California. I've harvested. I have my goodies. I have my money, my paycheck, my savings, the home I sold at record numbers. Bye-bye. So if you're going to retire soon, check the risk of your investment accounts as well. Because it might have been nice when your food, shelter, clothing was coming from your, your job, right? Because your retirement accounts, they can go up and down, up and down, up and down. Volatility, good. I'm buying more shares, putting money. Oh, it goes up. I'm richer. Because your food, shelter, clothing, that comes from your paycheck. But as you're getting closer to retirement or in retirement, your food, shelter, clothing, in part, is coming from your retirement savings, So you can't afford your retirement savings to go up and down. That's what I do. Total Financial Solutions is about keeping your retirement savings from going backwards. You have made the money. My job is to keep you from going broke. It isn't to make you rich. The career you chose, the spouse you chose, uh, your, your spending habits, that decides your wealth. My job is to protect it. It isn't to grow it at risky levels where, oh my gosh, we've got a 25% return. Not going to happen with me. Our job is to keep it so that we grow it reasonably. When the market goes up, we make some interest. When it goes down, we stay the same. So our expected average is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 to 6%. That means we're not going to see 20s and 30s. We might get as high as 10. We might even see a 12 or a 15 some years. But really... Three, four, five, six, eight, seven, six, right in there. That's our that's going to be our average return over time. So as you're checking the risk in your retirement accounts, you're looking backwards and saying, I might have been able to afford that risk when I didn't need the money for twenty or twenty five years. But now that I might need the money in the next ten or fifteen, five or ten, I need to start moving it into safety. And because you can combine your 401ks and IRAs, depending on your age and what your, st- your situation is, that might make sense. Simplify, not have 10 accounts out there. Old retirement account, old retirement account. An IRA, I put money in and I don't even know what I did with it anymore. Our job is to start cleaning that up, start putting those together, start taking a look and making it simple. And if you want some or part of your money safe, that's what our job is. It's to keep you from being in the market at risk. I always want you to have a cushion because the cushion never ends. The cushion is the emergency account because once you have your money coming into you on a monthly basis, that income, that paycheck, that, that stability, right, that comfort level, 
is consistently coming in. Where you're going to need a cushion is the water heater breaks. Oh, our friends want to go on a cruise. That's $10,000. Can we afford it? We need a new roof on the house. A storm came. Earthquake. The wind. And we need to replace the roof. And the deductible is only going to be so much. We, we have to come out of our pocket because the insurance won't kick it in until, you know, after a particular number. Not acceptable. Have a cushion. So that emergency uh, account, that cushion, has to be able to be uh, accessible at any time. ATM card, go call the bank, go there, transfer money, something that's accessible. What I saw recently is a lot of folks had very illiquid assets. That means they couldn't come to them. So when they come and say, oh, Eric, if I have uh, uh, $300,000 sitting in this Woodbridge account, and two years ago they came in and I said, oh, uh, they said, what do you think? Can you take over that account? I said, that's not what we do. It's an unregistered security. That's not my world. Oh, well, my advisor says I make 6% a year guaranteed. Okay, well, you might want to double check that because that's not where we, that's not what we would do. Fast forward two years, they are barely paying out 5 or 6 or 8%. Who knows how much they're going to end up getting through the bankruptcy and the SEC called it a Ponzi scheme and people have lost millions. I think it's $1.5 billion was lost in the Woodbridge scheme. How much will these folks get back? I don't know. Probably not going to be more than 50%. I bet it's not even going to be much past 10, but that's just a guess. Keep in mind that you have a, a statute of limitations. I think it's a two-year window. But check with your attorneys. There's some really good attorneys. We, uh, we recorded a show with Brandon Reef, R-E-I-F, Brandon Reef. And Brandon is a really good attorney on this. He understands uh, the Ponzi schemes and going after some of the brokers that, that sold this stuff to you. Should have known better. It's a calculator, right? It's just a math formula. When you do the math, you're like, eh, the math doesn't work. This, how did they do this? I don't know. I'm not that smart. All I know is I can keep some or part of your money safe. We keep it out of the market. Stay away from Ponzi schemes where those guys are, are trying to, to be a little funny. Don't put your money at risk, right? Have a cushion in case of it. And the last thing to talk about is you get ready to retire in the next year or, to, or, or, or so. Have something to do. You think you're busy. Every time I talk to somebody, they're always busy until they retire. And then they've cleaned out the garage twice. They've cleaned out the spare bedroom. They've recarpeted, repainted, whatever they were going to do, and they're done. I said, okay, well, that took six months. Now what are we going to do? Because you're now preparing for a lifetime of Saturdays. So you need to have purpose. Somebody has to count on you to be there. Somebody has to think, wait, uh, are you showing up? Hey, you have to worry, should I wake up at this time or this time? At least a couple of days a week. Besides your hair appointment, your doctor's picking up stuff from the pharmacy. You need to have something to do, some place to go, something physical and mental. So you're physically doing something. You're mentally engaged. You're volunteering. You're helping out, even if it's a completely different industry. One of our clients is an uh, uh, engineer on, uh, in, in the defense world, 30 years, retired, pretty high up. Made a lot of money, did very well, some pretty crazy things he, he designed and was a part of. Today, he helps special needs children, works for the school district. Doesn't even cash the check. They told him, you're going to have to put this on auto deposit because these checks keep piling up. Completely different world. 
You can volunteer. You can make a difference for him. That's what happened. And turned it into something different. You can do whatever makes a difference in your life and in the world. But having a purpose, preparing emotionally for that separation is very important. Because the psychological transition away from showing up to work Monday through Friday, having your boss, everybody gets mad at their boss, everybody hates the job and the traffic. Yeah, and the vacation, they wish they could have had another week. And then when you retire, you're looking at this going, um, why am I doing this again? Who's counting on me? Everybody's busy. Nobody needs you. All right? I don't want to be too grim, but I need you to, I need you to have something to do. Because many uh, financial advisors have cautioned people that for years, their job was a big part of their life and their identity. I like the idea of volunteering. One of the hardest things that retirees face is the notion that their retirement account, which has been growing while they worked, will be going down in value. Sometimes that's the formula. The formula is to spend some of the principal. And you'll run out of money at 104 years old, 110, 120. If you're, if you're okay with that, then you can spend more than the principal earns called interest. But there's an emotional change that happens and you need to be prepared for that. It's the separation. It's watching your accounts go backwards a little bit, not because of the market or not because of fees, but you might be spending a little bit more. But you do the math. As long as you can live till 110 years old with the math, then I'm okay with that. All right, so there's a lot of emotional components. Thanks for staying with me, folks. We're going to continue again next week. I always want you to be a part of the conversation. You can go to a TFS Wealth. stands for Total Financial Solutions, tfswealth.com. Send us an email or go to 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. And during the week, you can leave a message, or my staff is there all the time answering calls uh, between 8 and 9, uh, uh, 8 or 9 in the morning, but as late as uh, 7 or 8 at night, too. Uh, you can also ask for me. Thanks for being there. Total Financial Solutions, Safe for Money Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby on AM870, The Answer. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.